The MX Vice Show. Welcome to episode 87 of the MX5 Show podcast. Free riders, three points, two rounds. This is going to be a very in-depth, extensive, passionate podcast because by God do we have a series on our hands. Three rounds have been gone since we were last uh, on the air. Obviously, that was a very hectic week. Not that much time to slip in a podcast, especially when you're trying to do it across multiple countries. But we're back now with three Trentino rounds to wrap up. A little look ahead to what the hell is going to happen in Mantova. We've got fill-in rider news. We've got team news. We've got MXGP has never been this exciting. So buckle up because this may be a 19-hour podcast. I'm Lewis Phillips, your host. And as host, I'd like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, Armour Nutrition, and you people sticking with us. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. This is part one of the MXY show. And as always, part one is presented by Fly Racing, who redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes, as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system, that's AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet has changed the game, and you will see more riders in the Formula Helmet next year, both in America and in Europe, as the Formula Helmet continues to take over the sport, and rightfully so, because it is a fine piece of equipment. And more coming from Fly in the not-so-distant future, which sounds rather exciting indeed. I actually don't know what exactly it is, but my interest is peaked. As mentioned, there is a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about. I don't really know where this is going to go, where this is going to start, but my co-pilot, who will have to answer questions about Rene Hoffa at some point in this podcast, is James Burfield. How's it going, James? It's going good. I don't really know what all the Ferraris or or Ferrer or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, I still stand on my comments. What was that? The Ferrari? No, not a Ferrari. The, I don't know. Just the, you know, why people are up in arms. What? Who's up in arms? Well, I don't know. You just said I have to answer questions. I don't really see what the problem is. Okay, well, we're not going to start there because we're not going to get sidetracked because we have three riders, three points, two rounds. I literally cannot believe my own words when I say that because pinch me, by God, this is exciting. I um, stood in pit lane, 15 second board, the fly racing 15 second board goes up, revs go up. I literally almost passed out on Sunday. I was so excited. The adrenaline in my body was fever pitch. How was it watching from home? I can actually diagnose that for you. 
because um, I can tell you exactly what happened. Where your life is so uh, revolved around this moment, I think all the blood rushed your penis uh, because obviously you got very excited. All the blood rushed your penis and that is why you, you nearly passed out. Honestly, what did I say at the beginning of this year? I said MXGP needs an exciting series because I, f- I fear that we as a collective fandom of MXGP are close to giving up on this thing as we always have runaways and we always have boring outcomes. I did not... When I said I wanted something interesting, I more meant like, let's at least take it to the final round. I didn't realize we were going to have a 19-rider battle for the race win every weekend and a three-way battle for the title with crashes and mechanicals and team tactics and dirty moves. Well, not really dirty, but aggressive moves and all of that. Oh, my God. Yeah, from, from my uh, couch uh, watching TV, I've got to be honest, it was, it's, uh, it's awesome. You can't take your eyes off the screen because, you know, one minute you've got riders who look to be in control and coming through the pack to then go down, then they go down again, and then something else happens. And someone's led there in the fence. It's just like, I, I can't keep up with this. It's just, I don't even know where I'm mind. I, I can't, how do I even know who's winning? Who's leading the championship at the moment? Let's start right here. Roman Feverer, one point ahead of Tim Geyser. Roman Feverer, three points ahead of Jeffrey Hurlings. Three riders, three points, two rounds. Who's your pick for the championship? Do you know what? I still think Hurlings will get it done. But I've got to be honest, my stock in, in Feverer is just weirdly gone through the roof because I was never really like, you know, like he was, you know, he was good. You know, he's won the world championship already. Um, but hello? I thought I dropped my phone. <laughs> was that Dougie coming through the door? Um, no, I would, no, I, I was just so impressed with his, the intensity of his ride in the weekend and the fact that, um, all this pressure on, on his shoulders and, and he got the job done and he came out with the points lead. I was, I was so impressed. Like I, I, I just took it for granted that Hurlings would just sweep aside everybody, dominate. And I was just really impressed with um, February over the, over the, the course for like for, for Italy, but especially Sunday and the crash he had as well. Um, to then just get up and still have time to be in front of Jeremy and, and carry on. So I've I got to be honest, that was, that was a performance in itself the weekend. Uh, and, and, and literally, uh, yeah, big fan now. because I, and, and part of me would really like to see him win it because he just showed how much he wanted it, I think. I think that's what he'd done over, the, over those three races was how much he wants to win that World Championship. Agree? I am this close to picking him as my favourite right now. I am on the verge of stamping a Fevre title. Well, he's got the momentum. I think that's the key thing. Like, um, he seems to have momentum on his side. But again, we're talking about, oh, I'm talking about those guys, but then Geyser just seems to be uh, there or thereabouts and takes the Moto2 win Sunday. And, and, and is now just a point behind. So... Do, do you remember... This time last year, probably 365 days ago exactly, when a year younger Lewis Phillips sat on this very podcast and went, you know what? I can't rule Fever out for the title next year. I've got a feeling. I can't remember I said that. those exact words. Do you not? I, I'm going to dig no. it up as soon as I get time. No. Well, can you dig out the one where it says that uh, I picked Renault for winning the title? No, because that doesn't exist. It does. It does. It People doesn't. know. Anyway. People know. 
So going back to the first Trentino, I was a little, um, I was a little concerned by, well, actually, the first Trentino, I was concerned by Fever and Geyser. I felt like both of them kind of left points on the table. Hurling's romped to a 1-1 win. He had a 24-point lead. At that point, I was like, not only does Hurling's now have a cushion, Fever and Geyser just don't have it. Like, they just don't. Fevre then, whatever changed Sunday to Wednesday was huge. He caught and passed Tim Geyser in the moto that Hurlings wasn't in on Wednesday. And that seems to have just catapulted him momentum-wise for the rest of the week. Whereas Hurlings now has zero momentum, Fevre has it all. And one of the interesting things that keeps like coming back to my mind with this is I did a... Um, I had to do something on Fevre for not MX Vice in the middle of the season. And I spoke to the riders who have been closer to Fevra. So um, Ben, he's trained with Fevra. Sewer was teammates with Fevra. You know, just guys like that. And I asked them all, like, what is Fevra's greatest strength? What would you point as like, what makes Fevra great? If you had to name one thing, here you go, pick one. And they all, they all said unanimously, which I'd never really thought of, his mental strength. There's no one stronger mentally. And I was like, uh, okay, didn't see that coming. Didn't like... Have we seen that? Like, okay, fair enough. I'll believe you. I'm, that, that is just replaying in my mind over and over at the moment because I feel we are seeing that. Mm, okay. I kind okay. of expected you to have more of an opinion there. But the thing is... No, I, I think we, we touched upon this uh, not last week, the week before um, with how strong his mentality was. I think you have, you have actually brought this up before. So that is, that is interesting. But I don't know... It, do you want to know how I know his mental strength is there? Why? Because both motos on Sunday, Hurlings and Geyser went in the inside four gates, very defensive, well known to be a safety move on any track, motocross or supercross, well known to be a safety move. Go on the inside, you've got a bit more room to your left, you'll be, you may not get the best start, but you'll be able to tuck around the inside and you'll probably avoid the carnage. Fevra, bang smack in the middle both times. And that to me was like, wow. He is not scared. Not scared and also has a bit of belief here. He yeah. is not, he is in his head, he's not thinking, well, what's the safest move here? He's thinking, I need to win. I want to win. I'm going to win. This is fine. I'm going to hold shot. Happy days. That to me said a lot. And to be honest with you, what is Fevra's weakness right now? Because I'm struggling to think of one other than his ability or his tendency to oversend in the sense of Moto1 on Sunday when he was two and a half seconds down on sewer with a lap to go and thought it would be a good idea to try and chase him down. Which, credit to him, those three points would have been huge, but also probably not the smartest move and probably wasn't going to happen. Now, I still do worry that Fevra's going to have an off Moto because we've seen that this year where he will be leading and you're like, wow, this is lined up for Fevra and uh, Trentino 1, for example. We yeah. see that where it's, we're like, oh, it's all lined up for Fevre. This is amazing. And then randomly, it just doesn't happen for whatever reason. And we've never really been able to put a finger on why, nor has he. No. So that, I worry for that. But also, we haven't seen that now in four motos. So that makes me go, okay, like this is a nice little run here where we haven't had any weirdo issues. But that's it. That's my only concern with Fevre because I think he is also the best starter out of the three. Yeah. I um the the one thing which worries me, and I think uh, you know obviously strong mentality. You're correct. I just think it's that 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 little lapse of um, which is probably the same thing as what you were mentioning. That just that little lapse of concentration, or or maybe whether it's concentration or whether it's uh, a choice of like like you say chase down Fever or uh, when he landed in the fence 
on, was it Moto2 uh, Sunday? No, it was Moto1, wasn't it, when he, when he crashed? Yeah, the end of the last lap. Yeah. When he like, cracked his head back. Yeah. Yeah, like he was lucky to not get knocked out in that. Yeah, very that lucky. That was a hard hit on his head and also back, shoulder, collarbone area. The, I think the, the, the saving grace there was he landed on soft mud. So if you, if you look, it was basically, it, was, it looked like soft mud from, from where it had been built up. And uh, it obviously had the, the fence, which obviously uh, kept him actually in the track or on the track. Because if that fence had been there, then um, yeah, any other part of the track that could have been quite, quite bad. So that's where I'm at with Fevre. Obviously, after, like I say, after Trentino 1, I was 100% hurlings. Even after Trentino 2, I was like, shit happens. You know what? It is what it is. Hurlings is going to come out on Sunday and go 1-1. I was, I was adamant. I, even, I was like, there's no way that he doesn't come out firing. He misfired big time. I don't know. I don't know what I saw from Hurlings on Sunday, and I don't know what to make of it moving forward. Talking to him after the race, he had already seemed to brush it off. He already seemed as though he had gone, you know what? It didn't seem like he was mentally hanging on to it at all. He could laugh about it. He was making jokes at himself. He, you know, like very... Wasn't like this was playing on his mind, which is good, encouraging that he's going to kind of reset before Mantova. But still, I don't know what I saw from Hurlings on Sunday, and I don't know whether that continues because I've never seen Hurlings make mistakes. I've never seen Hurlings make mistakes full stops, let alone fall from the sky. Like, <laughs> but I have heard, well, as expected, but I have heard through the grapevine that stress is getting to these guys. None of these guys are nonchalantly like wandering through the paddock like, oh, we're having a fun time. Isn't this a fun series? I think they're all quite... I think they are all struggling a little bit with the stress and the pressure of it all between motos before Sunday. This isn't... Like, make no mistake about it. I think all three of them, Fevre the least, I think, but I think all three of them, or I know all three of them, are... They're feeling the pinch. I'm not surprised. I don't know how any of them are sleeping at night. Just, uh, I mean... Imagine how they're feeling on the, on the gate. Like they're going out to, to, to race those mows, but just knowing that one little mistake, that's it. It's done. Because that's all it's going to take, isn't it? Uh, a 12th, a, a 15th, uh, or a DNF, uh, a crash. That's it. It's done. Title's gone. That, that's literally, there, there's no, there's such a fine line now between um, success and uh, in, yeah, failure. This is why I have to look at Fevre, who has been the one who has avoided mistakes this year. He has been the one who's been the most consistent. He has been the one who, more often than not, gets the best start. So if you're looking for a guy who is going to stay out of trouble and maybe just bring this thing home, maybe you go Fevre. It's so bizarre to bet against Hurlins and it feels wrong and I feel dumb, but and I'm not doing it yet, but I'm close to picking Fevre. Yeah, I... I- I understand where you're going with this because I was just super impressed uh, in, in the way that he dealt with, with Sunday. I, you just can never rule out Hurdens. Like, I just still can't. I, st- I still can't. But the three of them... The fact of the matter is quite simple in the sense that Hurlings had a horrific Sunday. He lost four points. I don't know how, but that in itself is a, is a reason to bet on Hurlings because that's... In comparison to the races that Fevre and Geyser had, he had a horrific time of it. He fell from the sky, literally, and he lost four points in total at the round. So, like, that's your reason to bet on Hurlings is even when things go horrifically wrong, he doesn't really lose that much. Well, the last two ranks, the last two Trentino ranks, they've gone very wrong. 
Uh, obviously, the first Trentino went really well with the one-one, uh, and then the last two rounds. Do you, do, you, do you think that's it? Done. That's his bad luck now. Um, you know, put that behind you, or is something playing on his mind? Is is he is he kind of now questioning himself? Like I am. No, I said mistakes. this. I said I said this. I spoke to him after the race. He was he let it go. Sure, and and that that could be quite a good like that that that's his poker face to you. But deep no, down, is he kind of thinking? Hang on a minute. This is unlike me. I am making. I'm under pressure. I'm no longer the fastest out there. I can't do what I used to do. Is all these things? Is he starting to question himself? I think if there's one thing Hurlings is concerned about and questioning, it's his luck. I think that is the one thing. I think that plays on his mind more than anything else. It's the fact that okay, no one can make mistakes now. But shit, like this, this seems to happen to me. So how do? Like, but I don't know why it happens to me. So how can I stop? Like, I think that might be the thing that gets to him the most because he references his bad luck over and over and over. Sorry, I don't think luck is a thing. So luck is purely down to the choices you make. So whether... What, okay, what, right, so... Explain how Hurling's first turn crash didn't involve luck. Because if... Right, that's not luck, right? So if he was um, two gates to the... If he had chosen a different choice of, of a gate you know, two, two to the right, two to the left, or, or whatever. Do you see what I mean? Different choices you make put you in different positions. If yeah, it wasn't, the gate, crash wasn't a problem. It was the fact that randomly someone decided to run over his bike. Exactly. And, but that, in, that, in, if, and ten, nine times out of ten, that does nothing. But in this instance, it broke his throttle. Like I say, you, you could literally be on a train, and that train at that particular point uh, could have a crash. But you could have decided to get up earlier that day and gone on the train earlier. It's not luck. It's choices. You make choices. So, so it's cause and effect. You make a choice and there's a cause and effect through it. What, what I would say is that are some of the choices he's making, he's getting a different cause and effect to what, he, um, uh, to what he's anticipating. And, and that's not, I don't think luck is a thing. I don't, I don't think it, you, today I woke up lucky, today I woke up bad luck. You, you can quickly turn a bad day into a good day and vice versa. That's, but that's down to choices. So what I'm saying is that is some of the choices he's making at the moment not working out well, and that has got him questioning himself. No, where I, no, because you could turn that around his... on 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 Fever and you could say the the exact opposite. The choices he's making are correct, apart from obviously uh, uh, the the crash. But there's luck involved because Fever was lucky to not get injured in that crash. That's lucky. That's not his, his, he, despite his choice of pushing over the limit, he was lucky saying, to get up and not get injured. You keep saying the word lucky, and, and, and I, I understand that. You, you, like, do you think there's like a, a leprechaun in Santa Claus? Like, if you believe in luck, you might as well believe in Santa Claus and everything else. It, there's no such thing as luck. You, you, you create your own luck through making the right choices. That's what I'm saying. It's a choice. So whether you like I'm on the phone with my line, therapist. No, I'm just saying, if, if you decide to hit that line, or if you, if you decide to hit a different line, you know, it's, it's a choice you're making. It's not luck. It's not lucky if I hit this line I've been hitting every single time, and, that, and a stone's rolled down into, into the rut, which wasn't there the lap before. You might have seen the stone poking out. You might have calculated that, actually, that stone's going to come loose at one point, so I'm going to go over to the middle line. Do you see what I mean? It's a choice. It's not luck. Yeah, but I think you're talking generally. Where was luck? How was Hurling's choice involved in the Prado incident? That was poor luck. Hurling's was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He had no choice or 
He had no, no control he, he, over that. His choice was to pin it. And, that's, and that's, okay, you sound like Prado now. I'm not. Saying, I'm just saying it was it, so. So Hurlins could have just backed off a little bit and took the you position. Reci- you were literally reciting exactly what Prado said. Well, I have, well, a great thing for me is uh, I've, I've not even listened to what he said. So this is just me coming forward. Do you know what I see? I mean, this is the whole thing. It's it was his choice. His choice was to to go uh, and do that, and with that is cause and effect. This is what I'm saying. It's not luck. Okay, this is a boring conversation. Let's get back to the title fight. This is how I shape it. This is how I see it. I, this is how I still see it, I think. This was how I saw it going into Sunday, and I think I'll stand firm on this. Hurlings is the fastest and the most talented rider. He is the best rider in this series. That doesn't always make you the winner, but I believe he is the best rider in this series. And if I'm going, if I'm looking to put a strength on Hurlings or a promising factor on Hurlings, it's his talent and his overall ability will see him to the end. That's my hurlings, like, strength category. Fevra is the second, clo- is the second closest to hurlings, or the closest to hurlings, not the second closest. He is the closest to hurlings on speed, and his strength, or strengths, I would say, are he can go out of his comfort zone, and he's very mentally strong. So I think he can go out of his comfort zone to bridge that gap to hurlings, and he's very happy to do that. Geyser, who I still put as third in my list of favorites for this title, I don't believe he has the raw speed of Hurlings and Fevra. I think he's a tick off. We're talking 0.5%, but I think in an all-out fight, he does not have the same speed as those two. We saw it in Moto1 on Sunday. But consistency has been his strength all year. He's always there. Look at Mo- Moto2 as a fine example. He didn't race to that lead because he was that much faster than everyone. He put himself in a good position and that allowed him to just sprint away with a thing. Like, very pleasant experience while everyone else was fighting to the death. Yeah. So, Geyser's strength is always being there. Like, he's always there. That's how I see the three heading into the last two rounds. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, The interesting thing about Tim is, is... I think it's less of the of the crashes of what we've seen previous years, and it's more calculated. He's riding within his means. So here's a um, here's another one for you. So you're still betting Hurlins. Yep. Okay. I'm I'm still betting on Hurlins, but I'm probably like on a fifty five forty five split with Fevra. So I'm that close. agreed. Yeah, agreed. I can see that. Maybe even closer than that. Maybe I was. I almost said forty nine fifty one. I may even be that close. So I'll, I'd be 60-40 to Hurlins. So not to, get into, not to get into this too much at this point, but um, Fernandez is moving up to, to MXGP for the final two rounds. Yeah, good luck with that one. To help, to help Geyser, but uh, let's make no mistake about it. Honda released a statement saying that he was moving up to MXGP as a reward because he's earned it. No, let's call a spade a spade. He's out there to help Geyser. <laughs> like, literally, What's his reward? Go up against the best in the world. Oh, you're doing so well in ninth overall in the championship or whatever. Um, we're going to reward you, you know, as a podium threat on a HRC bike uh, to go into MXGP. Good luck. What's he going to do? Wait, wait, right, roll around until he gets lapped to then try and get in Hurling's way or something? Look Is at what Brower May did. Yeah. Hurling singled out Brower May as that cost me time. He cost me time. So, you know, it, only, it, doesn't, it doesn't take a miracle. All it takes is one rider to make him... All it takes... Fernandez could quite easily pull a whole shot and then he holds it. He, he pulls a whole shot. Geyser starts 10th. Fernandez holds everyone up and helps Geyser catch the pack. Like it's not, 
it's quite a simple game. Anyway, so this is a question. So say, say Hurlings and Fevra qualify 1-2. Hurlings picks a gate, Fevra picks a gate. They both have a gate to the next to them that's free. Who are you telling Fernandez to cover? Who are you putting Fernandez next to? Because you can't cover them both, but you need to make a decision of, I need you to go next to this guy and maybe out jump him. Who are you? Who, who if you're HRC, are you though. putting him next to? So, so you're actually thinking that Fernandez is going to qualify in the top 10? This is hypothetical. I'm literally giving you a hypothetical situation, but sure, like, who knows? Sure. But I'm giving not, you a hypothetical. He's, there's okay, no way I told he's you, I told you, we're not getting into it this much. I'm literally, we'll get into Fernandez and what he'll do later. Merely asking you from the title fight perspective, if you're HRC, who are you most concerned about out the gate? Who are you putting Fernandez next to for, to cover? Well, out, out of the gate, you're with, the hope, with the hope that he'll get his elbows in front. Well, uh, out of the gate, you're going to say Fevre because he's the guy who's been, he's been getting well. Hurlins hasn't been getting well. Uh, I don't know. I think I put him next to Hurlings purely because I'd much rather Hurlings start 20th than 10th. I think that's where I'd go. But inter- like, it's an interesting point because this isn't a two-rider duel. It's not man, event, man v. man, team versus team. It's man v. man v. man. Like, you, you, can't, you, can, you can dick around with Hurlings and like, try and help that situation, but then you're only really going to aid the other guy and like, let him go. Like, it's kind of an impossible situation to be in. Like, Geyser even mentioned it after the race. So there was one point when he was between Fevra and Hurlings, and he was trying to attack Fevra whilst also defending Hurlings. And it was like, he literally had just basically had an overload because it's like, what do you do with a situation? Like, how am I meant to defend and attack at the same time with a title on the line? Millions of Europe, like, impossible. Yeah. It's going to be good. So let's, this is another element to it. Hurlings race the nations. The others did not. Does that benefit Hurlings? Mantova is a known track. Everyone's ridden at Mantova. Most guys have tested there. Mantova is one of the most known tracks in MXGP. Does Hurlings' nation's experience come into play? I don't think it, it's not going to hurt him, is it? It's, you know, the, the great thing is for him. Is it a significant advantage? Mm. Uh, depends whether, like, settings-wise. Whether they've they they got something settings wise which, which would have worked, but it was quite it was a bit of a mudder as well. So unless it turns into a mudder, have then, you seen uh, the weather forecast? Is it a mudder? It's looking like we may need boats. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There definitely. is rain every day from now until next Friday. Right. So it's de- it's definitely an advantage. Definitely an advantage. If anything, I think we may have more. We have, if, if anything, I think we may have way more of a mudder than the nations. Which, you know what? That's more carnage. Bring it on. Let's, <laughs> let's see bikes stuck. Let's see, like, I don't care. Let's, let's just bloody send them out there and see what happens. Like, put armbands on the guys if you feel that will help you. Do what you like. Let's just see how this goes. I'm just going to quickly, because um, I haven't checked the forecast today. I checked it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, still, the, it's a little better, but still. Wednesday, rain. Thursday, scattered showers. Friday, scattered showers. Saturday, showers. Sunday, rain. Monday, rain. It's Sunday right now. When Moto1 takes off, there is a 47% chance of rain. So no, I'll probably stay in England. But this... The problem with Mantua as well, this is, so this is where Mantua is going not to be, not be the best for this. Mantova well, massively favours... For a title fight, you saying? Yeah. Not going to be the best for a title fight, okay. 
Mantova massively favours the inside gates. So, okay, they're all going to qualify in the top five. Maybe that isn't a problem. But also, Mantova's not great to pass on. We saw it at the Nations in the dry and in the wet. It's a little follow the leader. So if Hurlings gets a whole shot and Geyser starts sixth and Fevra starts fourth, that, that may not move around as nicely as it did in Trentino. There may not be as much of a like, difference maker. What will get interesting is if we get so much rain that we end up playing with the goggle lane in that. Because if we're playing with the goggle lane, I don't know what strategy you do. Do you, do you come in? Do you not? Like It's literally... I don't know what you do, but I think we're going to be in that situation where it's going to be muddy enough where you're going to have to try and strategize the goggle lane, stuff like that. Right. Here's a question for you. Uh, if it's an absolute mudder, who is your money on out of those three? I think Fevra is the best mud rider. I've given this a lot of thought since Sunday. And if you remember when Hurlings was battling Tommy for the MX2 title, Hurlings was horrific in the mud. Like, we're talking... It would, like, it would rain and he'd finish 10. He's gotten a lot better. He's won Mud GPs. But thinking about Fevra Majora 2015, generally, I just, for some reason, my gut feeling is that Fevra is the best mud rider of the three. But this isn't mud mud. This is sand mud. So it would take a lot of rain for it to be a quagmire or a quagmire or whatever quagmire. the word is. Yep. So a wet sand track probably favours hurlings. But if it rains enough where we're literally rolling to the corner, sit there for a second, pick a line and hope for the best, I'd probably go Fevra. For some reason, I don't feel like I know how good Geyser is in the mud. I feel like I haven't seen Geyser in the mud ever, which I obviously have. But for some reason, there's nothing like jumping out at me. Mm. It'd be good to go back and look at some stats. Yeah, I've got, I've got to be on that this week. But um, yeah, by God. So... Mm. <sighs> I don't know. I honestly don't know. Another thing to consider, Hurlings has got a banged up thumb. From what? One of the crashes? Yeah, he's not riding until for, uh, Wednesday. He's going to take Monday and Tuesday off to let it... He says it's fine. He showed me it. It's not swollen. I can vouch for that with my own eyes. It's fine, I think, but he's not going to ride until Wednesday. He's going to ride Wednesday, Thursday this week. And then, yeah, into Mantaree goes. But maybe that's something. Maybe that's something to consider. So... Let's move on a little bit. We're staying the same theme, but split it top three championship wise, split it percentages. I will go Hurlings 60. Mm, no, that's too high. Hurlings 40. Guys, uh, no, sorry. Hurlings 40. Fevra 35, which takes me to 75. And then guys are 25. Yeah, I like that. That's my, that's my three split. So what? 40, 35, 25. 40, 35, 25, Hurlings, Fevra, Geyser. Okay. Uh, I'll go... Hmm. I'm going to go... 50, 30, 20. Uh, Hurlings, Fevra, Geyser. 50, 30, 20. So you're a little more Hurlings. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fair enough. They're both fairly similar, but... So we're both agreed, though, that in whatever, whatever percentages you want to put on it, we're, going, we're both agreed it's Hurling's favourite geyser in list of favourites. Yeah, I just... The, the reason why I'm giving Hurling's it is because uh, I just think he, he just has that burst of speed and the ability to make things happen when he needs to. Um, so, and that's why I'm, I'm picking him for the title. Mm, okay. 
So let's move on to something that uh, let's move on to something that may make you want to pick Hurlings even more. The Caroli thing. Now, I spoke to both Hurlings and Caroli after the race. Yeah. Caroli, I spoke to Caroli first. So I hadn't spoken to Hurlings at this point. Caroli said to me, Kate, there was no meeting with KTM. It wasn't on my pit board. I made the decision by myself. It's, it was all on me. I, in the moment, I decided this was the best thing for KTM. And then he also reminded me for the hundredth time that he really doesn't care if he's not winning, which he's very adamant about. It's very adamant. If he's not on the podium and he's not winning the GP, he does not give a shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so basically, he's all, about, he's all about winning. If he's not winning, then nothing else really matters. <laughs> yeah. But so, Caroli's getting death threats. I'm surprised there wasn't a meeting about it. I would have thought that, I would have thought, to be honest, that this would have happened sooner and there would have been a kind of a strategy behind it. There was a meeting with Prado in between races where Prado wasn't told to let Hurlings go, but he was told to maybe, maybe you just want to calm down a little bit. Maybe instead of holding him up for 10 laps, you could hold him up for free. <laughs> Let's just, maybe you could do that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be helpful. <laughs> because Hurlings literally lost 15 seconds. Prado is like a bus going around a track. No one can get past him. So there was that meeting with Prado, but there was nothing about letting Hurlings go and there was no talk with Crowley. Are you fine with it? Yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, um, if Prado and Crowley were, were winning and rolled over and let them, that's different. But if they're in... Caroli said if he was winning a G, if he was on his way to a GP win, he wouldn't have done it. No, which is right. A win's a win. Yeah. So, um, but fourth and fifth, it doesn't. It makes no difference, does it? If you're someone of that stature, it is about winning. So uh, you're a winner at the end of the day, and you're not going to give up a win for for anyone. Um, however, a fourth, whether it says fourth or a fifth at a GP, I'm guessing after you've got so many wins, you really don't care whether it's a fourth or a fifth, personally. I've never been in that position. So, um. I, find it, I find it funny because obviously everyone's criticizing this. But equally, if Hurlings loses, if, say, Crowley didn't let Hurlings pass and then Hurlings lost the title by two points, I'm sure everyone would then go, why didn't Crowley just let him buy? That would have won KGM the title. How stupid. How didn't they know? Like, why didn't they think about this? Yeah. I feel like, because really, this is perfectly logical and it's kind of the reward for building a strong team. And hey, they, what? Go on. I, I would just say, look, you can say and do what you want, right? HRC and Kawasaki chose basically this year to, to put their money and field one rider. That's on okay, them. No, okay, oh, hold on, hold on. Mitch would be in a fight. Mitch got injured. That's no, that was no decision by anyone. And sure, but they could have, right, but they could have replaced him. Like at any point this year, they could have brought in another rider. That's down to them. KTM chose at the start of the year to have three title contenders. So why not? You know, kudos to them. They, they're, they're, they've put the investment in. So anybody's knocking them, then why? They're, they're, they're literally strengthening their hand. Um, and they want to win titles. If It's now up to the other manufacturers to step up. The one thing you could say is, is fair play to Yamaha with their team that they, I, I think they were their closest with the three riders they had. Um, because Jeremy is obviously now back to, 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 you know, to nearly full strength. 
and look at it. That's what we could have had all year from him. And and Koldenhoff, that could have gone, that could have been completely different as well. And he could have been up there. So it could have been even a four or five way, six way swing uh, for the title. If, um, you know, just through, I, I'm not, I don't really know. And I don't think we're going to know what's up with Koldenhoff with the, the hot and cold. And with Jeremy, we definitely do know that it was, um, you know, uh, Epstein. So, but you can see that the level he is at, which is what we, we kind of knew last year. We expected this Jeremy this year. So, um, yeah, I, I think Yamaha, you know, kind of went into this, into this year with, with two very strong riders and a very, very good backup in his rookie year, which was Ben. Okay, I don't know how we've ended. I don't know how you've you've somehow turned this into a Yamaha discussion. No, no, no. <laughs> the manufacturer isn't in a title fight at no, all. Yeah, no, but what I'm saying is they equipped themselves to go in for a title hunt. What I'm saying is Honda and Kawasaki never with Kawasaki choosing Monticelli was never about a title hunt. Yeah, Kawasaki were never interested in a second in a second rider. They wanted to run just Fevra. HRC, you can't put in this conversation because Mitch might be beating Geyser. Mitch, if Mitch hadn't got injured, he might even be beating Geyser. I think he's that good. So yeah, agreed. agreed. HRC so, would have, and you're not getting a filling rider on that level. So that's kind of me. Okay, but didn't they know from from round two that Mitch wasn't riding? Yeah, but like I say, you're not getting a filling rider of that level. You I just know, laughed at Fernandez racing MXGP, and you're not getting someone better than Fernandez. You've just laughed when I said that Fernandez was racing MXGP and said, what do they expect him to do? You're not getting anyone better than him for the whole season. Not a chance. Uh, the defense rests. Could have brought in Vlanderen. Bought out his contract. They tried. Vlanderen said no. And also, uh, Vlanderen's injured now, so that wouldn't have worked out anyway at crunch time. No. Okay. The defense rests. Okay, whatever. I'm just saying. Anyway. I'm just saying. I'm fine with it, purely for... I'm fine, KTM, hi everyone, we're talking about KTM, just in case, just in case you, were, you struggled to follow. I'm fine with the Crowley-Hurlings things, purely because they both owned it. Crowley didn't like... When I asked Crowley about it, he didn't like look at me like, oh my god, don't mention that. He was completely open about it, up front, explained the whole thing. Same with Hurlings. He didn't go, oh, well, I was going to get him anyway. Hurlings was like... Uh, Hurlings said, if he was a girl, he would ask Tony to marry him right now. Which was <laughs> oh, I love that. That's cool. Yeah. So I, I, I respect it from that point of view. If they'd both gone, uh, uh, I don't want to talk about that. It is what it is. Uh, yeah. I would be a bit like, oh, that's shit. But they both owned it. They both talked about it. It's a happy days. Honda putting in their press release. Fernandez moving up to a 450 is just reward for his performance this year. No. Fernandez is moving up to a 450 to battle Geyser, uh, to help Geyser in his title fight some way, somehow. Who knows what will happen? Maybe he'll be useful. And nothing That's wrong why. with that. Nothing no, wrong with that. Like, I've said it to ev- I said it to everyone in Trentino. Yeah. Everyone I could talk to, I said this exact thing. Anything goes. Backflip off someone's head. T-bone someone. I don't care. This is... It's all on the line now. Anything goes. You want to T-bone the hell out of this guy? I'm not gonna. Ra- I won't even raise an eyebrow because you know what? Everything it's all out the window at this point. Fight, do it. Yeah. Like this is because you know what? It's it's a just it's the end the means no the just the end result justified the means if that makes sense. Yeah, ends justify the means. Yeah. So yeah, um, I'll tell you what. I'm a bit disappointed about if this was a normal season, not COVID. 
so say this was happening now middle of September before the mm-hmm. nations. Yeah. I think we'd get some Americans. Oh, this last round. 100%. I ha- especially the, especially the ones that were in for the nations. So they were yep. coming over anyway. I think we'd have Americans, which really bums me out because can you imagine instead of getting me getting an email saying Honda confirm Fernandez 450 move, it says Honda confirm Chase Sexton in Fernandez. Wet my wet myself. Yeah, Roxon uh, Sexton, then uh, Muskin in uh, Cooper Webb. <laughs> it just literally turned into a free for all. But yeah, okay, let's move on from that. Very exciting. I remember this podcast last year, like in the middle of the Trentino week or after Trentino. And I remember us just literally being like, there's nothing to talk about. What (laughs) even is there to say? And I genuinely feel like I could do a marathon four-day podcast. Never turn it off. We knew knew this season was going to happen. We talked about this completely uh, over and over again in the off-season. We knew the type of riders... Everyone says this every year. Every year it looks great. Every year everyone's stacked up. What's going to happen? And every year it turns out to be utter shit in the end. Last time... Usually through injuries. Yeah, but this is what I mean. No one knew this was going to happen. On paper, sure, but it never works out like this. And you know what? For injuries happen. For some reason, though, this year the injuries have helped rather than hurt. Because without the injuries this year, it would be shit. Okay, here's a question then. Um. Obviously, Finland and Sweden going away gave that break. So, has the calendar this year helped with the injuries? No. Okay. Just, just wanted to point that out there. What is different about this year, how the Royals were able to recover? 20, 2011 oh, Supercross was luck. absolutely incredible. No, it is with this. 2011 Supercross was absolutely incredible. No one got injured. It was a four-way battle for the title down to the very last lap. Absolutely incredible. 2012, exactly the same season layout as in 17 rounds 18 weekends different city blah 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 it was a disaster everyone got injured and it was the most boring supercross season in recent memory nothing changed other than you know what sometimes you have good years and sometimes it just doesn't work out cherish this because I'm telling you right now next year is not going to be like this we'll have the same riders on the same teams exactly the same playbook it's not going to be like this trust me there's no way I don't want to get into a technical debate with you, um, but this all comes down to variables. Bikes change, settings change, suspension changes, engine changes. That all contributes to choices that the riders make on the track. Again, not luck. It's variables which make choices. Little changes. Okay, I don't know. So, so the last time that the MXGP title went down to the final round was 2008, and you're saying ever since then, the riders have... The riders are the, the riders are to blame. No, the riders aren't to blame. It's everything changes. Okay, you know whatever. I mean? This you you're I don't you're annoying me. Variables. It's not okay. like one thing stayed the same. They're not on the same bike. They're not on the same suspension. They haven't got the same settings. Do you know what I mean? They have got different mechanics. No. Different things happen. How can you say that that is the reason this title Slide fight? Sliding indoors, Lewis. Sliding indoors. Title fight. Is, the reason this title fight is good is because Monticelli landed on hurlings. The reason this title fight is good is because Geyser broke his collarbone. Without those things happening, it wouldn't be this tight. It's just circumstance. We're just lucky. Just leave it at that. We're lucky. Thank, okay. thank you, okay. Lord, for this MXGP season. Okay? Okay, yep, yep. So, Jeremy Sewer finally won again. His first legit MXGP win. He won one in Mantova last year, but he got it through... I think Prado won that GP, but got penalized. So, uh, Sewer just got it 
through like circumstance. And yeah, rode bloody well. I'd actually say he's riding better than last year. And to your point earlier, if he had had a season like he did last year, I think he'd be leading the championship right now because his MO is normally the guy, well, he's raced 144 GPs in a row. His MO is normally there every week, second, third, fourth, fifth, and then he's second in championship at the end. That's normally his routine. And if he'd been able to do that this year, I'd imagine that would be looking pretty good in the championship standings right now. So again, shit luck on his behalf that he had to get Epstein Barr in this year. Luck. But yeah, good to see him back. Yeah, I knew you like that. Good to see him back. No, really good to see him back and uh, fantastic race weekend. It was good. It was good. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the, uh, the thing though, it, it's, it, it's not like, it, it's been, it's been building If you're going to mention luck, if you're going to mention luck, I swear to God, no, I'm just saying that every week he's been building up, getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And then entering Trentino is probably the best he's ridden all year. The thing is, Jeremy's riding better than last year. When he got up from that crash in the first moto, he was two seconds a lap faster than anyone else on track. He did a 142. Everyone else was doing 144s. If Sewer can take this into next year, he may be, he will, he may, he may be a proper contender. This year, coming in, he was kind of like the contender that you put fifth on the list. Like, hey, he may be a proper contender. But again, it shouldn't be a surprise given that he's been vice world champion a few times. So he is expected now to be in that group. I'll tell you what I'm wondering. Sewer's obviously, obviously Sewer has overcome Epstein Barr, so that's why he's strong now. He should but I, also wonder, I also wonder if there's something to this in the sense that he wasn't able to train, ride, do the normal routine in the middle of the season, so he is now fresher than everyone else. I wonder if there's something to that. Maybe he should go Supercross season. Why? He's fresh, ready to go. Uh, okay. It's okay. a joke. It was a joke. Might need to, might need to wrap this thing up because... It, it was a joke. Clearly. Yeah, I know, but between that and your, your adamant that luck doesn't exist, I'm beginning to lose faith in you. Now... Coldenoff. Sunday, the first Sunday, Trentino 1 was very good for him. He got a good start. The race win was in front of him. And he rode absolutely phenomenally well. Then the rest of the week, he was a 6th or 7th place guy. I rest my hot, case. Hot and cold. <laughs> no. Or... <laughs> I rest my you, case. You, I'm not going to say it. me the first Sunday there was an opportunity. I'm not going to say it. But I think I've been proven right. I genuinely think I've been proven right again. But anyway, it's fine. To yourself. I just feel like that was exactly that encapsulated everything I've been saying, which isn't an insult again, but it's fine. Uh, speaking of Yamaha, Watson was very, very good this whole week. And not only results wise, what was better than the results was the fact that he was in the lead group rather than the second group, because you can finish seventh and be at the head of the second group or the back of the first group. And he was at the back of the first group, which is a big, that's a big plus instead of being at the head of the second group, if you get what I mean. Yeah. And the fact that he went with those riders, ran Prado, Caroli, Koldenoff's pace. Yeah, I thought, I thought that was huge. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really good week for Watson. No, it was good. Uh, I think it was, uh, it, it's come at a good time to remind people that um, he can, this is his first year and he uh, didn't look out of place in those positions. I am... Um... I got some heat from people because I a said... Bit or a lot or, or what? Well, there's lots of different reasons I'm getting heat from people at the moment, but 
Okay. I got heat from people for this specific reason because I said that Ben deserves a factory ride. And everyone said it was British bias. But I'd just like to clarify right now, it's not so much I'm saying that based on results. I'm more saying that on I'm looking at the landscape moving forward. And the reality is there aren't that many other options. There's no one better than Ben behind him. And coming up from MX2, you, may be, you have Vial who may be better and you have Renault who may be better. But realistically, that's probably it. So when I say Ben deserves a factory ride, what I'm saying is, in three years' time, Fevre will be gone. Hurlings will probably be gone. Crowley will definitely be gone. And at that point, Ben is a prime guy for a factory ride and is going to be on the podium a lot. And I'm, so all I'm saying is, like, I would invest now if I was a factory team, and why wouldn't you? It's kind of smart business sense. And I feel like the people who are criticizing me for saying that he doesn't deserve a factory ride are kind of just not really looking at the landscape. They're not considering how deep the field is right now, and they're not considering the future. Yeah, but... Um, the see, defense rests. No, no, I, I understand what you're saying, but name one team that is investing like that. A, a lot of teams now want results right now. So you're getting results right teams. now. You're getting results right now. Eighth overall. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, Lewis, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just pointing out. Are you part out. of the defense? I'm not part of anything. I'm pointing out that what teams at the moment are thinking about the future. Like, would you say Kawasaki with Monticelli is thinking about the future? Monticelli won't be on Kawasaki next year. I know where every rider in the paddock is going next year, pretty much. At least the ones who have made a decision. Monticelli is going somewhere. He's told me that he's done. I have no idea where. Literally no idea. And he said he couldn't tell me because he had a clause in his contract that he's not allowed to say the words. He said it wasn't factory. I have not heard Monticelli's name mentioned in a single rumor. I have no idea where he's going. Literally no idea. I'm going to go Jackie Martin. That probably wouldn't be a bad bet, but then I don't know. I just can't. No idea. Literally no idea. That probably wouldn't be a bad bet. Yeah, my money's on Jackie Martin. Yeah. uh, uh, Chervelin is out of Jackie Martin, so... Um, and I know that, and too, that is a strapped for cash team, so... Yeah, it'd make complete sense. Do you want to know who I would sign? If I was uh, a Jackie Martins, a Gebbon, a ben, one ben of those Watson. teams? Nope, Dylan Wright. Yeah, he done well the weekend. He did well the whole week. Trentino is a very, very... You can't pick a more European track to jump into. It should be the track that's the biggest struggle for a guy entering the series from anywhere not European. Tenth overall in this field again... Ninth overall is great in any field. Ninth overall in this field is exceptional because if you, if you took... The, okay, this time last year, Sewer guys of Fevre were there. Hurlings wasn't. Karoli was. Prado wasn't. Coldenough wasn't. Watson wasn't. That would have been a fifth overall. Yeah. Fourth overall even. No, fifth overall. No? Yeah, fair play. Yeah, fifth like. overall. Fifth overall. So, again, his, the outlook on Dylan Wright will be hurt by the fact that this field is still so deep. But realistically, if you look at it, that was phenomenal. And I, yeah. if I was a satellite team, he, okay, he, maybe he doesn't deserve a factory ride. I don't think that because Vanderin and Watson are the factory guys. But if I'm a Gebbon, I'm a Jackie Martins, I'm any of those secondary teams, I'm a beater even, I'm going hard after Dylan Wright right now because he's going to be even better in Mantua. But um, you're, you're saying that, but uh, not, not worth a factory team, but surely this, this is where... Um... But again, I'm saying that in respect to the playing field. The playing field sure. for the factory teams, Vlandrin and Watson are ahead of him. Sure. I'm not saying but, he's not worth it, but I'm saying that in the, realistically, Vlandrin and Watson are ahead and that's all the factory ride has gone. I don't I see why, 
well, you know, for a variety of reasons. But again, that's that would have been a great fill-in person for HRC. Who? Yeah, I suggested it back in um back in uh, Matley, but he was under contract with Canada or something. He said that there was talk of it for these last five rounds, and I actually can't remember why he said the reason that it didn't happen. But he did say a reason. Listen yeah. to the post race podcast from Wednesday if you want to know the reason because I cannot remember. But he's basically on as well. He's on his Canadian bike. The bike he brought over for the Motocross of Nations, he's, like, it just got left here. So he's on that. It's nothing special. Like, it's not like he's on exceptional equipment. And, and he's, he's doing alone. That. I mean, that, that, that's, so I think, I think what you have to talk about or what we have to talk about is actually how good he's doing. You know, tracks he's well, never raced what before. I was just doing. Yeah, but you, you didn't, it was kind of like, it was your version of it, which isn't very spectacular, to be fair. <laughs> I literally said this is uh, to do it on this track especially, and he's going to be even better. He knows Mantova, so that's going to be a huge plus. And Mantova is a very is a bit more of a universal track. It's not it's, it's a bit European in the way that it's soft on top and very hard underneath, but it's not like Trentino, which is basically out of this world unless you ride in the south of France or Italy. So yeah, I would sign if I was a satellite team, I'd sign Dylan Wright, and my headline on my press release would be "You can't go wrong with Wright." Well done. How long did you think <laughs> at that one? Uh, I've had it in my back pocket since Wednesday. No, oh, brilliant, great. So yeah, um, there were other riders in MXGP. Well done to all of them. Thanks for turning up. <laughs> well done to all of them. <laughs> did I say Kawasaki have told riders they're not making a decision until after Mantova? Now did I say no, that? You've not, no, you've not okay. said. So please explain. Originally, Kawasaki told riders that they would make a decision by the Motocross of Nations. That obviously didn't happen. Then they told riders they would make a decision by the end of the Trentino week. That hasn't happened. And they are now telling riders that a decision will not be made until after Mantua, which is holding up the whole of silly season because no one is signing a deal until they know what's going on at Kawasaki. Because obviously, if you're a satellite team, you could potentially get either Vlandering or Watson, but you don't know yet. And if you're Vlandering or Watson, you're not signing anywhere because you could potentially have factory Kawasaki. So like, basically, Kawasaki is holding up this whole thing and there's been no real movement in the paddock for a long time, purely for that reason. It is between Borromay, Watson, Vlandering. There is no one else. It's between those three. And yeah, there you go. So we wait on that. And once that gets signed, things are going to move very, very quickly. But make no mistake about it. I've said it a million times. This isn't a great big secret. No one knows who is getting that second ride. No one, including Kawasaki. If you were anti, who would you go for? I, I definitely wouldn't sign Brower May. So that would get a, I'd cross that one out straight away. I've got to rule him out, yeah. <laughs> I, I'd get a red marker and cross that one out <laughs> straight away. It's hard, to, it's hard to pick between Watson and Vlandering because they're both kind of the same guy in the sense that they both very much deserve a factory ride. I, th- I think they're different people. Uh, <laughs> no, but like, it's hard to, if you're trying to decide between them, I think it's quite hard to split them. I really do think it is. But either of them deserve a factory ride. So either of them need a, both of them, the fact, I hope that they both can land on factory teams for next year. I hope that because realistically, if they can both get factory rides, then the paddock is correct. The riders who deserve factory rides have them. My question, who is on factory Husqvarna next year? That is, um, um, uh, confidential. Is, it, is there a space available? No. There's no spaces in the paddock. 
So, Factual-wise. Uh, so they both can't go on factory. Only one of them can go factory. Well, one space could open up potentially somewhere. Oh, so you know something. I literally told you this like two weeks ago. <laughs> there could potentially be a second factory seat. Potentially. Right. The, so that is also, but that's very up in the air and I don't think that will happen. But there is a chance that there could be this Kawasaki seat and then another one somewhere else that opens up magically. So that could sort, that would make everyone happy because then Flandern will get a factory ride, Watson will get a factory ride, presuming no one does anything stupid like signing May, And happy days. <laughs> and the world's at peace. Yeah, I'll literally be like, okay, thank you, brilliant. You've done the right thing for once. Yeah. Quickly on MXGP, Timothy Herraro, his duct tape numbers fell off. So that was disappointing for him. Um, I don't know what gear he was wearing to this you day. You were so pleased with that tweet, weren't you? So I was trying to get no. I was trying to get a photo so of him pleased. since the first Trentino. You so didn't even pleased. like it. You didn't even like it. I did. I did it on purpose because I knew that you you <laughs> you love that tweet so much. <laughs> I know you so so well. It's anyway, um, Strybos semi confirmed to me after the race that he's going to retire at the end of the season. Really. But then also said that you I've never know this, if something... I've, I've heard this for about the past three years. No, I said to him, I said to him, I've got to ask you again, two rounds to go, the season's almost done, what's up with your future? Normally you give me a very fucked up answer, so please, like, what's up with your future? And he said the fire still burns bright and he thinks that if he can get on a good... If he can get himself into a good situation, he can still be good. I don't think he likes a Yamaha. I don't think the Yamaha is for him, both JWR-wise and Gebbin-wise. I, I just generally think the JWR just isn't a bike for him. JWR Wait, isn't a bike no, for him. No, the Yamaha. I don't think the Yamaha is a bike for him. So I think he's like thinking in, in his mind, I think he's thinking if I could get on another different bike, he, he believes he can be up there. And I believe so too. But I said to him, so have you spoken to anyone else about next year? And he said, no, I haven't even spoken to Gebbin about next year, let alone anyone else. And I was like, so you're done. How's and he, so he basically said, yeah, I'm probably, I'm going to be done, but if a fill-in ride comes up or something like that, who knows? Which kind of is like an awkward way of like, well, do we celebrate your retirement or not? But um, yeah, yeah, I think he's going to be done. I'd, I'd say he's going to be done. So there's that. And Jonas uh, broke three ribs, hoping to be back for Mantova, where he is going to battle to the death with Glenn Koldenoff for seventh in the championship. Because little known, little talked about thing, you have... Uh, three riders, top three, battling for first, separated by three points. You have three riders, Prado, Sua, Caroli, battling for fourth in a championship, separated by six points. Mm -hmm. You then have two riders, Koldenoff and Jonas, battling for seventh, separated by six points. And then you have three riders, Lupino, Olsen, Watson, battling for ninth, separated by 18 points. So, it's all to play for, but the entire top 10 from this point now could, there could not be one rider in the same position come the end of the season. Yeah, it could all change. Whereas this time last year, when we were heading into the final two rounds, you might as well have just handed out trophies and called it a day. But on that happy note, I'd like to remind you that part one of the MX5 show was presented to you by Fly Racing. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, Conehead EPS and a 12K carbon shell. The Formula's advanced impact system, that's AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. 
Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet from Fly Racing has changed the game. And we would, of course, like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Props Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. That's the end of part one. We'll be back with part two in just a couple of minutes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a couple of minutes. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. Prox Racing Parts supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the high-level requirements that all motocross riders require. Many of Prox's parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring rayon technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet has changed the game. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 87 of the MX Vice Show podcast. A lot, a lot to talk about. MXGP is so good right now, and we're going to continue talking about it in part two of the MX Vice Show. We can do that. Thanks to Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. This is part two, and part two is presented by Technical Touch. With an air oil separated closed cartridge design that is well known in the MX world, the KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series. You too can experience the best in suspension, like Jeremy Sewer and Ben Watson and close to home too. Visit technical-touch.com slash KYB-authorized-dealer to find an authorized KYB by Technical Touch dealer in your country. Take your ride to the next level. So basically what you can get is KYB factory kit suspension in your homeland. There are authorized dealers in every country in Europe, very close to you. They're quite dotted around. It's not like they're all segregated in one area of a country. So if you want KYB factory kit suspension for your bike, which why wouldn't you, head to that link, technical-touch.com slash KYB-authorized-dealer and figure out how to make that happen in a very, very easy way. So, James. Uh, I'd like to add on that note. Um, 
you can see the difference of uh, technical touch is uh, the way that Bry Lyakov's been riding since he's uh, had the technical touch KYB suspension. Uh, so obviously forfeit the um, across nations and has done very well since in NX- MXGP. You could say it was a, a turnaround all down to suspension. I would say it definitely was. So we had a world champion crowned in MX2 at Trentino. That's and predicted. I would say, I actually fought this as well. Um, I got it right. So the MXGP title fight was intense. It was stressful. It must have made it so much more stressful. Geyser Hurlings Fevre stood on the start line watching uh, Renault celebrate a world title like 30 centimeters away. Like that must have brought it all home so much more. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is, this is, this is exactly what we're fighting for right now. How do you rate Renault's uh, title winning season? Awesome. I think when we, we decided at, uh, at the start of the year, it was going to be a Vial Gertz uh, Renault. Um, well, it was going to be, um, I think we predicted Vial going to run away with it. Gertz was going to be better. And then there would be Renault because we, there was talk about Renault being on a star Yamaha engine, wasn't there? Like this time last year. Renault, Renault and Gertz are on star engines, I believe. Beniston is on a Renaudi engine, I believe. Okay. Um, so that was the talk. Guadagini was going to be the rookie in the class. We knew Beaton was going to be um, there, you know, his last season. So, yeah, I, I think what he's done this year is he's, he's obviously took a, a, an opportunity with, um, you know, Vial being injured. But saying that, you know, Vial's sort of come back and has done very, very well since his injury. But Renault showed that he's got the pace. He's, he's, he's winning that title for a reason. And um, I think he's done everything right. And, and like I say, there's no reason why Gertz, he's literally outperformed both his teammates this year. So, you know, fair play. He's, he's deserved that championship. What are your thoughts? I'll tell you something. Obviously, the beginning of the Trentino week did not go well for him at all. It was a disaster. I was teeing up a Vial title. What? Well, the first three motos in Trentino went so horrifically... But in my head, I was like, you know what? If it continues like this, and Renault looks rattled, I was thinking, if it continues like this, which it seems it will, Bial could take this down to the final round because he, he only needed to gain 25 points more to take it to the final round. And I was like, and if, that, if we get to that scenario, I think we may have a, we may have a run here. But then obviously Bial uh, crashed out of Moto2 on Trentino2 and it all kind of died. But mm-hmm. I was... I was I was not, I was stepping away from the gold plate that had Maxime Renault etched in it and was kind of going like, eh, we'll wait and see. But obviously it all worked in his favor and it kind of, um, kind of like summed up the season in a way. He's just been in the right place, right time and made gains off of the back of others' mistakes. Even when he won the title on Sunday, Gertz made a mistake, Renault didn't. Like that's kind of the season. Yeah. But, you know, that's how you win titles. <laughs> Yeah, you can, never, you can never put an asterisk on it or anything. Renault was great. Renault, Renault was much better than last year. And yeah, good and job to uh, Renault. Yeah, fair play, because obviously he's had a couple of years of injuries. It's not quite worked out for him. Uh, I was just pleased, pleased for him. I think he's going to go on. I think he's going to do very well with an MX, MXGP as well. Who does better in the MXGP championship next year? Renault or Watson? Hmm. Uh, I think Watson. Is that but, because you just can't be asked to deal with me? Uh, no, no. I think, I think Watson just having that year under his belt 
if it, it, let's let's just say if Ben gets uh, factory equipment next year, then I'd go Ben. If Ben's on a satellite team and there's a lot of uh, you know, it's not exactly the same setup, and there could, there's a lot of variables involved with, with things which might not go right. And Maxime's got uh, everything he needs, then then it could be Maxine. It all, I think it all depends on what where Ben is. So what you're saying is um, Ben can be better and is a talent that needs to be nurtured and maybe <laughs> stuck with. I'm not getting in this conversation. Roger that. Roger that. The defense rest. Yeah, it's a good job to Renault. Very, very um, good to see. It was nice to see how happy he was and stuff. And it was just, yeah, great, great time. Great time to, uh, great time to be alive. What else to do? Ah, okay, actually, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Rene Hoffer. Was average your word? Because I believe uh, it was average. No, it's, I just said uh, it wasn't average. I said I think he you wasn't... were calling for him to be kicked off a of KTM. No. See, this is how you just blow everything. No, this is actually what you do to me. This is what you do to me. Yeah, this is like you say that I'm This ridiculous. is exactly what you do to me. I I'm said he wasn't reaching his potential of what that was expected. And like, well done for winning two races. Two motos and a GP. Yeah, well done. But obviously, when some, when some people said he wasn't capable of that. Hey, look, he's obviously listened to the podcast. He's obviously taken my words and he's used them for motivation. You can thank me later, Rene. At what point are you going to accept or realize that by going to the races, I see and gain knowledge that means that I can tip when a rider like Hoffer is, going, is on his way to a breakout? Like, this is kind of why I go to the races. Yeah, well, it, I'm, I'm glad because I'm glad that all the money that we're spending on getting to the races is actually coming off and it's worth it. Well, so well done you for doing your job. I'm just trying to think, just trying to make you realize. Hey, just, um, just well done you for doing your job. Everybody's you. pleased. I wouldn't really say that was doing my job either, but well done. Thank you. I don't know why I said well done to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you did nothing. You definitely don't deserve a well done. <laughs> You're a dick. So the actual interesting thing here is Hoffa could, and actually this is very interesting because this is part of your argument, Hoffa could beat Guadagnini in the championship standings, which was your exact argument that Guadagnini was fourth in the championship standings and Hoffa is eighth for wherever he was. Yeah, not going to happen, mate. Going back to Mantova, uh, Guadagnini's already 13 showed... Points. Yeah, Guadagnini's 13 points. Yeah, Guadagnini's already showed in the nations how good he is around Mantova. <laughs> I, I rest my case. <laughs> Done. Next. You may want to open your case back up. Because <laughs> you may want to open your case back up because just as I pull up the results here, just so I can give you completely accurate information, Nations Classification, MX2. First, Rene Hoffer. Second, Mattia Guadagnini. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Where is exactly. he exactly? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Can you expand on that? Exactly. On okay. okay, exactly. So... <laughs> Yeah, he's not going to finish above him. And anyway, he's got um, more experience than Guadagini anyway. What? Hofferas. Yeah. We actually realize that Guadagini has more experience, but it's fine. We're not going to traipse up old arguments because that's what you do. Yep. Let's talk about Fernandez then. So he was on the podium three times in Trentino. He's a bigger guy. There is Fernandez hype in the paddock. Like there are some people in the paddock who genuinely believe Fernandez is the next Jesus. How? What do you think he is going to do in Mantua? Realistically, crash. I don't feel like Reali he's done that much lately. Yeah, realistically, he's going to get all excited on that 450 and crash. I, 
I don't feel like he's. I feel like that used to be his MO, but I don't really feel like that's happened lately. Hmm. I'll tell you what, I was thinking this at the weekend. I remember around Matley time when he had the red plate and I said, there's no chance he's going to be in a title fight. And you basically told me I was a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that because actually. I thought he'd done really well last year. There was, you know, there was showing signs when he was on the on the Yamaha. Uh, he was doing very, very well. And then I thought one the <laughs> I was going to say the one one eight one one eight team, the one one four team, um, was a good match. And uh, the season started well, and then he went for a low, and then he's picked it back up again. I'm not sure what happened mid season to him. However, uh, the season started well, and it's ending well. So he just needs to figure out a middle part. Maybe he gets bored. What do you... F- Actually, no, I'll save this because this will come up in Liat Ask Wise Anything. Beaton continues to be very up and down. One good moto, one bad moto, but he is bringing his A-game in interviews. Which hey, is- you're not talking about where Beaton is next year, so you obviously know something. Are you going to let the people know? Nothing signed. Oh. But like he's not in any talks. Like, we're saying about Vlander in deserved place, Watson deserves place. Well, Beaton's no, no, going to be good on a 450. No, I asked him on Sunday. I said, we're doing interviews next year. And he went, yep, see you there. And I was like, well, there we go. Okay. The alternative, obviously, him being him going back to Australia. So, yeah. Well, but yeah, he's really what, been bringing his A He's really been bringing his, his options A-game. are? Uh, yeah, most people do. It's pretty common knowledge. Well, what sort of options do you think he's got? I can't say what Beaton's doing next year because I got told by the person who told me what the option is. But I, like, please don't tell anyone this because... I shouldn't know. But then it, this is where it gets very murky because then it sort of gets out. And, but then I can't. But then the person who told me might not know it's out there. And then if I say it, they'll go, oh, why did you say it? And then I'll go, oh, it's out there. And they go, oh, no, it wasn't. And I go, no, it was honestly. And they go, no, it wasn't. And, I, and then I just end up in the shit. But if you've heard the rumor, then I think that rumor is going to happen. And most of you have heard the rumor. So I think that rumor is going to happen. Nothing signed, though. But I think we're looking good for that to happen. I found Brian Sue. Uh, I was very confused. Did I see Brian Sue in a Ferrari? No, you didn't listen to the interview. No, no, I didn't. No, funny enough. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what interview would I have to get for you to listen to it? Because I thought that like maybe hurlings after yesterday would pique your interest. I thought maybe Brian Sue would pique your interest. But it seems that just, it seems that no matter how hard I try, there's nothing I can do. Mm, uh, Ricky Bad Boy Johnson would be a good one. Okay, okay. I hope he's going to Mantua. Mm, he's been to Majora, so uh, if he does go to Mantua, please get that one. Okay, um, I found Brian Sue actually ended the week quite well. Twelfth overall with a twelve twelve. That's how, quite how good. old is he now? Because I thought he's like twenty eight. I don't know, forty two. I don't know. I, I feel like know. he's been around forever. Yeah, well, well he's been like, around, but not really around. around but not around, yeah. <laughs> Like, hide in. Uh, so, like, uh, for those who haven't listened to uh, Post Race Podcast, uh, please elaborate on what the fuck's going on. Okay, I'll keep it short because everyone has listened to that podcast except you. Okay. He hates MXGP. The only reason he was racing in Trentino is because his Italian sponsor who owns a Ferrari wanted him to because there's no, because Bercy got delayed. He hates MXGP, doesn't want to go back, hates it, doesn't, doesn't want anything to do with it. He's going to do AMA Supercross next year as a privateer. He wants to win AMA Supercross. That's cool. And, and then get a deal out there to which I said, you do realize you'll have to race motocross and you hate MXGP. So how's that going to work? And he said, oh no, I don't hate motocross. I just hate MXGP. So, okay. That, that in itself is just another mystery. And then 
He didn't know what a podcast. He didn't. He didn't know what a podcast was. So that was quite a lot of explaining. I told him he might want to update his Instagram more. Is he like he Harry he Potter been in like under the <laughs> stairs? Does his like mum and dad let him out like at weekends sometimes? I told him if he wants to go to America, he needs to update his Instagram more because they care about that more. And he went, yes, I know. I just hate all social media. So I was like, okay, fair enough. Um, wow. I met his parents. I had a long talk with his parents. Okay. Because obviously I had to clear the interview beforehand. So it was all very formal. Is that his media team, is it? <laughs> I've never had a meeting with like Hurling's mum or anything, but yeah. this time. I've, I've met Brian's dad. I've chatted to him before. Yeah, so have I now. Yeah, so Brian Sue going to America. Whether I imagine that he'll go to America, probably do like qualifying and then never be seen again and everyone be like, well, where's he gone? And we'll be like, we don't know. Yeah. But, uh, we'll yeah, see you in Paris. Just, well, I'm arguably more confused after the interview than I was when I started it. But you know what? We have to take this as a win. Yep. It's a very complex uh, situation. Very complex. The fact that he hates social media and doesn't know what a podcast is is alarming. I mean, I get why he hates social media. I hate social media. But I, uh, I, am, I am struggling to understand how he doesn't know what a podcast is. There was lots that I didn't understand for that interview. But anyway, time for speaking of everyone else. Let's bring everyone else into the podcast with Liat Ask Vice Anything. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet with 360 turbine technology and free bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Of course, there is a 2022 line of Liat gear, which is out now. You can head to liat.com, learn more about that, see the extensive ranges, whether that be the 3.5 ride kit, the 4.5 enduro jersey and pant, the 4.5 jersey and pant, or the 5.5 jersey and pant. You can learn all about that. And any day now, there's even more 2020 news coming from Liat, which we will be talking about on the podcast next week. Any day now. So not only do you have the 2022 gear to go over, you're going to have something else any day now. So head to liat.com to keep an eye on that. Head to at official Liat on the social media channels to keep an eye on that. And yeah, more to come from Liat. Thank you to Liat for sponsoring the Ask Vice Anything segment, which connects the people to the enigma, which is James Burfield. Hello. Question one. At Marpav73, will a healthy sewer be a title contender next year? Speed is ridiculous. Contender? Yes. One of the favorites? No. Contender? Yes. Above Hurling's Fevra Geyser Prado on the favorite scale? No. That's where I go. You? Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm liking what I'm seeing at the moment, and it's kind of what we thought we'd start. It was, I kind of thought it was what we'd see at the start of the year. But yeah, if he can continue this uh, and go forward into next year, then um, yeah, I, I can see him being around the with those guys, um, all four of them, um, obviously with Caroli uh, retiring, definitely hundred percent. I think um, I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll maybe we'll be uh, thinking of him as gate crashing the the title contention party uh, halfway through at SRO Coffee Bar. What's the logic behind Yamaha dumping Watson after investing four years in him? I don't know. I don't know. I do not know. Crazy. Bloody crazy. I do not know. 
Who knows? I could have a guess, but I don't want to do is be guessing because who knows? You can't really put logic on it. Who knows? Did you want to add another who in there? Or? Who knows? Who knows? At rhyme, dude. Can you say Pietram Yodata one more time? That's an inside joke, James, from the post-race podcast, which you may have missed. Oh, okay. I think I just did it there, but I'll give it one more whirl. I think I've nailed it there. Piet Ram Urata. But then I can't do it. I can't do it consistently. That's the problem. I can say it properly. Piet, Piet, Piet Ram Urata. But then I can't say it consistently. I, 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 sometimes I, I screw it up completely. But okay. that's the situation. Right. At Kevin underscore wonders 45. What's the point of start practice when a start practice is done on the dirt instead of metal? Which is actually a fair point, bloody fair. Because obviously point. you, but it's it's still you're still getting a feel for the length of the start straight, the way the bike performs from a starting position. You get a feel for the angle heading into the first turn. Like you, you blow out the cobwebs a little bit, muscle memory, get your reactions going. You know all of that good stuff. It's, I, like, it's, I like Kevin's point now. It, it's a fair point, but still, I feel like it's what it's almost like a ritual, isn't it? If you're a rider and you go, someone goes, oh, do you want to do that? It's pointless. You'd be like, eh, yeah, it's pointless, but I'd rather do it just to keep the routine. Mm-hmm. But I like Kevin's point. I think Kevin should have a Liat hat for, for that point. Let's get well, Kevin a Liat hat. Do you still have some? Yep. Are you happy to ship to the Netherlands? I think Kevin's Yes, one? yes we okay. are. Yep. We will ship Kevin a hat. At Thomas underscore SB93, it seemed like Hurlings couldn't handle the pressure. But can Fevra handle the pressure of a red plate? Hurlings, didn't, Hurlings said he didn't crack under pressure. We didn't actually talk about this. Hurlings said he didn't have arm pump, he didn't crack under pressure, his hand came off, came off on the bottom of the takeoff, and that's why he launched so far. So he hit a bump or whatever, his hand came off, and whoosh, he launched. Hurlings leap style. So he's, he's adamant it wasn't the pressure thing. Fevre, as mentioned, I think he is a strong mind. He is a strong personality. But he hasn't had the red plate since Germany 2016. It's a long old time. And you could tell on the podium how happy he was to have the red plate. So it's clearly something. It's not like he's indifferent to the red plate. He's clearly very happy with it. And it's on his mind that he's got the red plate. So interesting. Interesting to see how he handles that because we haven't seen him in that situation. Uh, Lewis, um, yes. when was the last time Ka- a Kawasaki rider uh, had the red plate? It was Paul Ann. Uh, it was either, I think it was, uh, I think it was tw- early 2014. It was either early 2014 or early 2013. One of those. Um, Very but yeah, good. it was Paul Ann, definitely. Very good. So yeah, well, it's going to be interesting because yeah, like James just pointed out there, Kawasaki haven't even had it in a long time. So I'm just excited to see what the red plate looks like on a Kawasaki. I mean, we've had lots of practice with that in America, but, you know, just hits different in GPs. At in underscore the underscore Scottlight, did KTM race for 23 bike after the test or did they park it? Uh, it was never the intention to race a 23 bike. They were just testing it to get ahead. It was never the intention for them to race it, but someone has raced it this year. Bogus raced it in Lockett and at other points throughout the year. The bike of the future today. You wouldn't have known, though, because it didn't have all of the new uh, plastics and rad trailed on it and stuff. At, Re- at Reese Mills 13, how good is it to see Roman Fevre back up the top? Man can really ride. James? Yeah, it's nice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Thank you for that. 
at Marion underscore D underscore. Who is the champ this year? James. Who is the champ? Yes. I don't understand the question. Uh, Oh my God. Who is going to be the champion? Well, we don't know, do we? Until the last round. Oh my God. Last race. Who is your pick to be the champion? Hurlins. Thank you. Hurlins for me as well. Just. At Marcus Burke, 822, where can I listen to the chat with Dylan Wright? Um, if you found your way onto this podcast, what you're going to want to do is go two files below it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. And that's in the Fly Racing Podcast 2021 MXGP of Piet Ram Urata file. That's where you'll find a chat with Dylan Wright. I believe it's about an hour in. Very good interview with Dylan Wright. Obviously, first time I've spoken to him. Really good interview, good person to speak to, had a lot of interesting things to say. Wasn't like cagey, very open. So yeah, really enjoyed interviewing Dylan Wright. At Kieran underscore 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 43, who becomes a world champion first? Beniston or DeWolf? Now, I'm going to say DeWolf. DeWolf. But I want to ask you this question, James. DeWolf. How do you feel about Beniston's rookie season? Uh, because nah. I think I said a couple of weeks ago it's been nah. good not great not bad I'm kind of now slipping towards the bad nah. category nah yeah I, I'm not excited by it I've got to be honest he won a moto I mean at the end of the day pull it into this perspective Hoffer uh, <laughs> is 60 points in front of him Hoffer. That's real. That's, that, I honestly want to punch you in the face. Right <laughs> That's why I said it, because I knew it would wind you up. He's, he's had a moto win. He's actually had two moto wins. He's had two moto wins. So that's nice. Like, fair play. That's more than the wolf. That's only one less than Gertz. Huh? <laughs> Gertz has only won three motos this year. He's had a, he's had a mess. I, I mean, I know it's not been great, but I thought it won more than three. Uh, Gertz Two has in Oz. Gertz has had one a One in all. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> Just processing that information. Um, so he's won two motos. That's not bad for a rookie. He's had one overall podium, which was a third in Czech Republic. I don't know. Just... It's not, it's just, you know what? Mayor is kind of right. It's kind of been nothing there. And if I'm Yamaha, I'm saying that there's probably a lot of pressure on him to perform next year because it's just, he's, he's almost like invisible out there. I think that's the problem. He is really just invisible on track. There's nothing really there that makes you go, oh, wow, look at Beniston showing flashes. Look, look at Beniston doing this, stepping up. He's just kind of there. It's an interesting debate, that one. At Ryan underscore one eight four underscore, have you noticed the LED gear indicator on Tony's handlebars? Is it really useful, and for what? Have you noticed this, James? Uh, no, I haven't, Lewis. Okay, uh, I I'm thought send... it's not an indicator. No, it is. I'm going to send you a photo right now. No, you so can put I'm the indicator gonna... on to parts of the side to let her in through. <laughs> no, it indicates what gear he's in. You idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I could do. So I'm just I could actually do one of those because I never know what gear I'm in. Yeah, the amount of times I've had to go into a corner and smash it down to first gear. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've just sent you a photo. Yeah, he's the only KTM rider with it on. It isn't. It is a gear indicator, and 
Yeah, it's very bright. Like, obviously, um, we're in autumn now, or even winter, maybe. Are we in winter or autumn? Uh, 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 Either way, it's getting dark early. It's getting dark early. So, obviously, the Trentino second motos were running kind of darky conditions. And the light that said what gear he was in shone brightly. Like I could, I could follow what gear he was in anytime he was near me, which is that quite cool, good. to be honest. Yeah. yeah. I actually forgot to t- ask him about it when I interviewed him on Sunday, which is a problem. I'll take the loss on that one. But yeah, I'll find out more from him. But it's, it's a, okay. I wouldn't be like, it's a pretty, inv- it's is, a pretty inventive. Is that a three or an eight though? Is he in eight for yeah. three? That's three. <laughs> Sue said to me, I don't know what the point is. The KGM only has three gears anyway. <laughs> That's funny. Although I might have said, did he say that in an interview? Yeah. But yeah, so it's, a, I mean, I feel like if you could make that to market, I feel like you'd sell a lot of them. Yeah, it's great. I'd, I'd, I'd welcome that. Yeah. Maybe uh, if I had like... Maybe I could wear like Google glasses and then have the gear come up in my, yeah. Imagine that. If you could like get Scott glasses and you have little LED in your glasses telling you, uh, in your goggles, telling you what uh, gear you're in. Even better. At KC.133. Can I get free tickets? Can I get the free, can I get free tickets to the next round of MXGP to see Hurlings? Oh yeah, sure. Thanks. Like, yeah, sure. Like, (laughs) like, great question, Casey. Anyway, <laughs> Lewis is resentful to anybody who asks for free stuff because Lewis never gets anything free. <laughs> At JUntT underscore, can we get more Dylan Wright content? I plan on it. Like I said, he's a great interview. So I will um, I'll definitely be doing that in Mantova. Can we get a shirt for the uh, MXY studio? It's not the MXY studio at this point. It's your studio. I haven't stepped foot in the MX5 studio in like two years. So. <laughs> doesn't need you in there, though, for it not to be an MX5 studio. Though, does no, it? but I mean, without, I mean, we both make up a studio and you take away one of us. And you kind of, it's kind of a loose studio. Hey, just because you haven't got one, you haven't got to put down the MX5 studio. So okay. just saying. You're choosing not to turn up. That's up to you. That's on you. I mean, okay. I'm sorry that I don't I'm have the time angry. to drive six hours. I'm not angry. Nobody's angry. We're just disappointed. At Jack, at Jack L. Hyde, is the one-day format here to stay? No, it's out. We're going back to two next year. I believe we've got... The, the calendar was meant to come out on Saturday, but it's, going to be, it's been delayed by a week. We, we're bringing back the pointless Saturday where you just go out and nail yourself for nothing. Yeah, I like... This is what you do on a podcast. You, you throw out generic statements that you think people agree with, even though you don't really know why you're saying it. We're going back to two days. Uh, the 2022 calendar, from what I hear, will have Oman on it. It will have Argentina. It will have Indonesia. I hear rumors that we could be going to Brazil again. Uh, good luck with that one. I ain't fucking going there. Why? Nah. James, if we go back to Beta Carrero, the track is in a theme park. You can go. I'm just waiting for Mexico to send you back to Mexico if the cartel might knock you off. I loved Mexico. But yeah, mm. so 2022 calendar coming soon, but we will be going back to two days. Jack L. Hyde also said, will the LP vlog ever happen? Yep, I think I've got a sponsor for that next year. So I need to figure out how the hell I'm going to do it time-wise. But I think I've got a sponsor for that next year. Uh, so looks like we're on. I think I'll be a granddad by the time you get freaking YouTube show up and going. 
Yeah, but you piss me off when you say that because can we, like because you make it sound like I'm just dragging my heels. I'm quite busy, James. Like you, can you just admit that you realise that? Just dragging it. No, don't because you piss me off because people believe you when you say that. People He's don't realise that much. Of, no, don't. Swans around China people. I've watched him at, at MXGP weekend. Honestly. Last time James came to an MXGP, he wanted to leave the track at 8pm on Sunday. And when I informed him that that literally is not possible, he genuinely was dumbfounded. The the race finished three hours ago. Yeah. My name's James and I don't really understand how the world works. Anyway. Oh, I understand how the world works. You're the one who doesn't understand how the world works. I just don't understand why you've got to just swan around for three hours. What? Doing the podcast? You can get that hour. I have my podcast <laughs> nailed. I, I, could I, how could I get it done in an hour when in total from Sunday there was an hour and a half worth, worth of audio? Maybe you want to shorten it. I don't think people want to listen to it all. No, but this is, this is the point. I'm trying Look to get me. as much content for people as possible. Dylan Wright. I wouldn't make like Hurlings. Like Sunday, Hurlings guys are Caroli. I got both sides of the Hurlings Caroli team tactics thing. Where's the nice comments for that? Geyser managed to get with him. A lot of talk about scoop tires, which we'll get to. Sewer got him after his GP win. Watson got his talk after a big, uh, a big day. Big, big, big important big day. Big day for, for progress. <laughs> progress. Yeah. I got Strybos first oh. exclusively admitting that he was retiring. Yeah. I got Beaton having a laugh. I got Kaido Wolf and I got oh. Vial talking oh. about giving up his world title. What, what do you want me to give up out of those? Got all your faves on there. How is their favourites in there? Could have done with Guadagini, to be honest. Oh my God, I've interviewed Guadagnini more than any other media person mm. this year. I think I'm the only person to interview what him. What about uh, uh, Andrea Adamo? I actually, I wanted to speak to him this week. I'm going to do that in, um, mm. I'm going to do that in Manta. Yeah, that'd be quite nice. Honestly, oh, you mess with my head. Like, what do you think happens when I, because, oh. What do you think happens when I do podcasts? Do you think the riders are stood in a line and I go, uh, you, not you, we, you, we all want a Glenn Coldenoff. We want a Glenn Coldenoff podcast as well. It, it's in the works. Did you know that I worked on Glenn Coldenoff's bike this week? Yeah, I heard a rumor that you were fingering his seat. I um, unstapled his seat cover for him, not for him, for his mechanic. So you could say that's a step forward. Uh, what about a podcast with Tom Cock? You know what? I have no idea where he lives in the paddock. I've not seen his bike at any point this season. Who knows where he's based? Yeah, I tell you what we do need as well. is a good old Sean Simpson podcast. So these, are, I'm giving you some really good ideas here. All right? So take my ideas, okay? Glenn Coldenoff, Sean Simpson, uh, Tom Cock. Uh, we, that, these are the people we need to hear from. I, 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 Andrea Adamo. I'm giving you ideas here, options. Sean Simpson declined a podcast. I'm not sure how that's my fault. We need to work harder, didn't you? Just going to leave it there. I walked up to him, offered to do a podcast. He declined. And then the next week said, I'm not, I don't do podcasts with him. Work that one out. Anyway. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> seems more of a you problem than, than us. <laughs> it, actually, it, actually seems like, it actually seems like it's not a me problem at all. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Just giving you options here. Just giving you options. What about a Lorenzo Lucrecio uh, podcast? Yeah, you know what? I've actually wanted to interview him all year because yeah. I'd imagine he's quite cool. Yeah. Again, matters. Again, how do you think this works? 
well, you could message him beforehand and say, could you meet me at the media center in the planet? <laughs> what, and what, message 20 riders, get them all to wait at the media center and go, okay, if you could just take a number, I'll be with you in your 14th in the queue. Well, no, you'd structure it so you'd like, have timings because you already know what time things finish. Like, it's just an idea. Hey, I'm not here to interfere with your uh, three-hour. Honestly, I'm going to song. drive to the pod. <laughs> I'm going to drive to the MX Vice podcast studio and punch you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, love, I just it's great. I just know what buttons to press. It's brilliant. Yeah, but it's annoying because like no one else, like no one else has put any effort into interviewing ten riders on an MXGP evening. Mm-hmm. Should we move on? What was the next question? I feel like I've pissed off enough people there. I feel like I've done an adequate job of angering many people. So yeah, let's move on. What about about a Boutron interview? That'd be quite interesting. Boutron's done like two rounds this year. So sorry that I didn't manage to nail him down at two of those rounds. And also, no one wants that. What about a Josh Gilbert interview? You know what? I'd like to interview Josh Gilbert because he has been bloody impressive. Albi Ferrato. You know, I, I could go on. It's just ridiculous. But anyway, you, what, was okay. next, what was the next question? Lewis Phillips says, who's going to replace Lewis at MX Vice when he quits in less than 45 minutes? Uh, uh, that would be Anton. Um, so Antonovich, Mark Antonovich would be bringing him in to replace Lewis. He would probably want to get an interview with Albi Frato, to be fair. Oh my God. I will interview every rider in the paddock if it's possible. I interviewed Hurlings this week because I stumbled upon him. There was no plan. I interviewed Fevre. I didn't know. I didn't interview Fevre on Sunday, but did you want what? I went to see Fevre, and just as I got to Fevre, he went, oh, I'm going to do a team meeting. Come back afterwards, though. I'll probably be like 30 minutes. And I was like, right on. Sounds good. See you in 30 minutes. And then after that, happenstance, I just couldn't quite find him. And I was going to ring him, and I was like, you know what? That's a bit OTT. Like, I don't want to ring the guy. Like, that's a bit, oh, come and do an interview with me. I was like, you know what? I'll get him next week. I saw him. I tried. We'll get him next week. Caroli, he was interviewing. He was signing with fans. And I went up to him. And I was like, look, you're really busy. Are you, like, do you want to keep signing with fans or do you want to do an interview? And he was like, no, it's no problem. I'll do an interview. Complete happenstance. I interviewed Vial at the weekend. Why? Because I was waiting for Hurlings and Vial randomly stepped in front of me. And I was like, you know what? This is a good use of my time. What, what was the next question? I don't know, James. I want to bloody you. <laughs> Kurt Freegard, <laughs> who, yes. who, who is in the strongest position to take the second Kawasaki ride after Trentino, Watson or Brahramay? You'd think Watson based on merit, but I don't know. Yeah, I would think Watson. Vlanderin didn't race, and I'd still put Vlanderin above Brahramay based on Trentino performance, so there you go. But the Watson-Vlanderin one, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Jens Olsen agreed that MXGP is the best motorsport championship in the world at the moment? Question mark. At the moment, well, there's no AMA Supercross or AMA Motocross for it to contend with. And right now, I cannot contain my excitement for Mantova. So, yes, sorry. You, sorry, James, did you disagree with that? Nope. No, I just heard you go, oh. Best in oh. the world. No, I just thought it was you being um, facetious again by saying there's nothing else on, so... Technically, that's incorrect. <laughs> no, I was just saying that there's no AMA Supercross or no AMA Motocross, and it's much better than all this other. I don't even know what else is on, but I can guarantee it's better than it. Yeah. Motor GP Formula One. Yeah, fuck them. Phil G. 
We're not going to answer this question, Phil, but I'm just going to read it so that you've had your question read because I feel bad that we're not going to answer it, but I can't be asked for James to go off on this again. Has Kawasaki and Honda dropped the ball by not having a rider to support their championship? Yes, they fucking have. Does it underline the need to hire a third rider who actually contributes? We covered that, Phil. I can't be asked to hear James go on about that again, but thanks for your question. Um, And you know what? I think that's all we've got time for this week. Thank you for your Liat Ask Vice Anything questions. Thank you, everyone. Known for producing world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, the all-new 7.5 helmet with 360 turbine technology, or the all-new 2022 line of gear, which meets your needs both technologically-wise and design-wise. Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear. Hey, even take a look at the mountain bike stuff on liat.com. And there, in a couple of days, probably by the time you've listened to this, you will see some even more 2022 stuff. New to liat.com. Thank you. Fly Racing, thank you, Liat. Thank you, Planet Motor Holidays. Thank you, Prox Racing Parts. Thank you, Technical Touch. Thank you, KYB. Thank you, Even Strokes. Thank you, MXGP TV. Thank you, Backyard Design UK. Thank you, Asterix Knee Braces. And thank you, Armour Nutrition, for bringing you, for bringing us, the MX Vice Show. And of course, I'd like to remind everyone that part two was presented by Technical Touch. With an air oil separated closed cartridge design that is well known in the MX world, The KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series. You too can experience the best in suspension, like Jeremy Sewer and Ben Watson, and close to home too. Visit technical-touch.com slash KYB-authorized-dealer to find an authorized KYB by Technical Touch dealer in your country. Take your ride to the next level. That's part two. Part one's done as well. This is episode 87. I'm Lewis Phillips. That's James Burfield. We'll be back in two minutes. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with three Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Caster has been the secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won the 2020 two-stroke World Championship using Blenzel, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original green label racing caster to the 455 Ultra or the versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop Blenzel's full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow them at Blenzel on Instagram. Instagram. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 87 of the MX Vice Show podcast. Wrapping up a week in Trentino and what a week it was. And you know what? Mantova promises to even be even better. This is part three, the final part of the MX Vice Show. And we would like to thank, as always, Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. Thank you to all of those guys. This is the final part, 
And it's presented by Prox Racing Parts, who supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world, hence why everything the Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. And you know what? You look at any MX2 podium from Trentino, and we'll, we'll, on this occasion we'll use Sunday Trentino 3, you've got a factory Yamaha on the top step, a factory KTM on the second step, and the third step, you've got a satellite team that use Prox parts. Like, there's no coincidence there. If you're not factory and you want to be or beat factory, you choose Prox because that is really your only solution going into battle. And there's a reason why Fernandez was able to get on the podium right there. You have it. Let's play this little game again because we, didn't, we enjoy this, don't we, everyone? You go to pro-x.com. There's a find your product section. You select your make. On this occasion, I will select KTM. You select your model. On this occasion, I will select a 250SX. You select a gear. On this occasion, I will select 2012. You click show results. You wait a minute. And then there you go. You have a list of all the Prox parts and their part numbers for your bike. We've got air filter, big end pins, brake discs, brake pads, brake rebuild kits, cables, carburetor rebuild kits, clutch baskets, clutch cylinder rebuild kits, clutch friction plates, clutch pack kit, clutch plates, clutch spring kit. This is alphabetical order. I'm only on C, so I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Jets, ring set, steering bearing, wheel spacer kits, water bump, water pump rebuild kits. If you've got a bike, I would recommend you use this resource. Not only the Prox parts useful, their website is useful. If you're a bit lost, Prox can be your light. They can guide you home. So thank you to Prox. So James. Yes, Lewis. I'm over it. So you can do the rest of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to comment on, um, that was a very good, you know, kind of, you know, advert read on Prox. Uh, and, and like, obviously it's great with someone of your mechanical extensive knowledge uh, giving people uh, your advice. So uh, kudos. Yeah, great, great work there. Um, well, if, so, I, uh, if I had a bike, this would be very useful for me because I am mechanically inclined. No, no, not that. I'm mechanically challenged. <laughs> no. You're mentally um, challenged. I don't know about anything else. So this website... Not only, the Prox parts and the Prox website would be literally a lifesaver for me because otherwise I would have no clue what I'm dealing with. So, um, yeah, Prox racing parts. Yeah. What's on your mind? Uh, what is on my mind? I've, I've got to say, um, obviously the total, the total, the top three is just all over me at the moment. Just can't focus on anything else. Um, just been trying to weigh up, uh, my last, uh, weekend of MX manager team because I've actually put a date in diary to remind me to put my team in, uh, this week. I'm actually, New tactic. I'm going to do my team on a Saturday now. Not well, You could Sunday. do it on Thursday if you like. Yep. Yeah, uh, I could even do then. Yeah. So um, not even going to bother about what's gone on in qualifying because uh, my tactic for this year and for next year is just actually entering a team. Um, that's going to be where I'm, what I'm going for. Okay. Brilliant. Thank you for that mm. little spiel. You know what I would do if I was Honda? Not only would I be bumping Fernandez up, I'd be calling Tommy. I'd be calling every single Honda rider I can think of who's available. So obviously not the Americans. Any Honda rider I can think of. 
and I'd be bringing them to Mantova just to get Hondas on the gate because you never know, maybe it'll come in handy. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure Tommy would turn it down, but oh, <laughs> I'd call. He'd love it. He'd love it. Little Italian shindig. Take the wife over, get her some nice wine. So, Honda, so KTM have, have their riders. There's no issues there. Honda have Fernandez. They have Geyser. They have Dylan Wright, who's proven he can be in the top 10. So if Hurlings gets a bad start, Fevre gets a bad start, someone tips over, Wright can be useful. It's another bike. Kawasaki have Barame. And that's about it. There's not really anything Kawasaki can do more than that, though, is there? Because there's no one in MX2 for it to bump up, unless you'd want to bump up Wilson Todd. But I don't think, I think he's even admitted himself that he's not a great 450 rider. And you're not going to put Mikkel Harrop on a 450. So there's nothing really that Kawasaki can do more. It's a shame they haven't got Monticelli because that weapon could like change anything. I'll tell it? you what. No, but Monticelli would be useful purely on the basis of he gets hole shots. Yeah. So Monticelli being at the front would be ridiculously helpful. You know, that's mm. actually a very good point, James. Mm. There we go. That's what I'm here for. I mean, I know that's not how you meant it, but well done. Yeah. You stumbled your way into a good point. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. That's what I'm here for. So, Planet Motor Bombshell of the Week, what have you got for us? Uh, Planet Motor Bombshell of the Week was... Hmm. Let me think. Have I got a good one here? Uh, I got, I got, let's, let's go with uh, um, Hoffer turning around. That's, that's got to be the bombshell. Because it was not looking great. Oh, no, it was looking great. What it are you on about? It was not looking great. And then he's popped up with two wins. And he's distracted everybody for a little bit. Third in a moto at round two. Five four at round one. Four ten at round far four. I tell you what, um, what five five at round seven. Do you know what a bombshell is? In Germany, David Philipparts having it's to come out of retirement. Yeah, exactly, having to come out of retirement. It's like he's only a year older than Crowley, though. Ah, uh, he gave up too soon, didn't he? Yeah, it's quite, that, make, that kind of puts into perspective what Caroli's doing. Like, Philippos has been out of the game for a while. There we go then. Caroli's uh, win. <laughs> so the That's Planet Bomb show is that Caroli's doing quite well. Quite well for an old guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, tried, I feel like I've said so much on this podcast, I can't even remember what I haven't said yet that I need to say. Uh, Dylan Wright uh, getting, what, ninth overall? <sighs> I feel like that isn't a surprise. Like heading into his heading into his GP experience, I said to people, he is a shoe in for a top thirteen and could be top ten. So he's kind of been right where I expected. Okay. Um, Andrea Adamo with another another tenth overall. See, how can you be so high on Adamo but continually shit on Hoffer? Explain that logic. Because what team's Adamo on? Exactly. What team's Hoffer on? It's an Austrian bike. What team's Hoffer on? Austrian. What team is Hoffer on? That arrest my case. Rest my case. Well, that's all sub- yeah, but Okay, by that logic, you must think that Fernandez is better than Vial because he was third overall and Vial was second. No, look, if anybody who's on a factory What KTM, team is Vial on? Anybody <laughs> who's on a factory MX2 KTM You've got an advantage straight away. You're ex- well, Renault's just won the world title on a Yamaha. Yamaha's ex- first, by the way, since 2007. Yeah. And uh, congrats to Hans Corvers. He looked very, very happy. Well, you've got to think, he, like this, 
has been a 10-year work in progress. More longer than 10 years, but in MX2, this has been a 10-year work in progress. What, what's interesting as well is that, um, do you know Ben Watson's still sponsored by Hans Corvus? Did you know that? What, with, um, what's the company? Um, it doesn't matter. Anyway, he's still oh. a personal sponsor of Ben Watson. So even he's ridden for, for, for Hans Corvus, and he, he is now a personal sponsor. Yeah, I think Hans was a big part of getting him the Wilvo deal for this year. I think he really like went to bat with him for Yamaha. But, if you, Yamaha. but what's interesting, if you, li- if you talk to any of the former riders who've rode under it, they absolutely love him. Just yeah, because he's, of, a good... he's so passionate, so nice in what he puts into it. So, you know, absolutely fair play. It was really good to see uh, the, the nice guys uh, winning. Here's a tough question for you. Oh, okay. Who do you want to win the title? All results, uh, performance, bike, team, all of that aside, weather, track, all of that aside, who do you want to win the title? Uh, hmm. And did you like my stat that with three rounds to go in 2020, there was the top three were separated by 84 points. And with three rounds to go in 2021, number 84 was leading. Therefore, the universe is hinting that Hurlings will win this championship. Yeah, and I think that's... I think I sort of replied and said, you need to get out more. And I actually... I stand by that. There is so much out there for you. And also, additionally, with three rounds to go this year, the top three were separated by three points, which using the same logic means that 2022 is February's year. Can you imagine if that comes off? If both of them come off, then I will walk around with a tin at every GP for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> could, could you also, uh, that this time of year, next year, predict the lottery numbers? Because that'd be great. Well, I need to find... Either way, I'm looking good. Because if, if Hurlings wins a title, I've got that statistic. And if, if um, Fever wins a title, I've got a podcast from this time last year where I called it-ish. So... Ish, yeah. That's a, is, that, is that a bit like my <laughs> no-ish? No, I said he could win the title. Oh, which oh. no one was on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could say that if I said that enough to about every rider, then I'll sound good as well. Yeah, you keep you keep holding on to that one. Um, I got to be honest. Uh, um, I think I'd like to see uh, Herlin's win, just because of what he's been. He's had to go through over the last few years of injuries and bits and pieces and what he's gone through this year. Um, but it would be a fitting end to uh, the Kawasaki team, which are closing shop this year. And after trying numerous riders, actually winning a title, and the invest- it would just pay back the investment and in, in all the hard work that that team's put in over the years. So I think it would be a fantastic, like, you know, finish to the team like it would complete everything that they've worked towards so I think that would be pretty cool and and fair play to him because he is I think he's he's really lifted it this year um, especially when you think coming into the year you had the three uh, orange bikes um, you know he has always been the outsider and, and obviously he hasn't had the team out to help him he's done everything on his own in and, and uh, you know, a, a kid as well. So, um, yeah, fair, yeah, it, it would be quite nice to see him win it, I think, Roman. I don't think there's any Kawasaki riders that they can put in MXGP anywhere because there's no one in the British Championship. 
There's no one I can think of in like the Adak or anything, or I can't think of any Kawasaki riders that they could draft in last minute to put another bike on track. That would be worth it anyway. So what they about are, Jason yeah. Anderson? Obviously not going to happen. Just you saying. Absolute idiot. <laughs> James. Just saying. You are so stupid sometimes. And that is your planet. Is your planet Moto Bonjour of the week. <laughs> that is lame. Escaping, escaping every, well, we basically just did like 17 planet bombshells in a conversation. So escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better. And you can still experience that right now. In fact, when I say right now, I mean in five weeks' time. Because if you head to Planet Motor Holidays on Facebook, which I'm going to do right now so I can read you what I saw earlier, you will see that when you scroll down, last spaces for 2021, due to cancellations, they have availability for one week in December. December the 13th to December the 20th. £895 per rider, one week, five days of riding, and it includes your accommodation, your bike transport to and from the UK to Spain, airport transfers, all of your necessary track fees, privately hired tracks, I might add, all of your bike fuel, breakfast and lunch on the riding days, transport to the tracks for you and your bike, and free merch. That's a deal, and you can get there in December, December the thirteenth to December the twentieth. That is a um, that is a good old like. Why not jump on that? That's enough four four to five weeks away, so you've got enough time to like get your ducks in a row and get everything planned and organised. And Spain's good in December, so you may even see some GP riders start to pop up at that sort of time. Mm. Month off, and then may just be starting some pre-Christmas testing. So yeah, that's what I'd recommend doing so head to planet motor holidays on instagram or facebook or visit planetmotor.co for more information on what the planet motor experience entails thanks to planet motor holidays for sponsoring the mx vice show podcast you going to planet motor holidays at all james uh, i was going to be going on uh december the 13th but uh i believe <laughs> are you the cancellation no no so what's happening is uh i, I don't know think that- i want to know wait wait hold on do i want to know no, you, you wasn't too keen on going because you would be going to America. So um, Rob and Brad are going out uh, for it. And also uh, some youth riders like Lucas Moncrief and Jack Evans and stuff like that are going. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of a bit of a rejig because obviously America's happening. You guys have got to go over to uh, America for... Um, are you allowed to say what you're doing or not allowed to say what you're doing? No, nothing's sorted yet. So I don't know when I'm going okay. or what's happening, but we'll sort it out. Yeah, so that's yeah, so that's one of the reasons why. So I think there's a couple of spaces left. I don't really understand any of that, but that's fine. We'll move on. I feel like we've analysed the MXGP title fight to death. Anything else to add on it? No, I'm bored of it myself now. <laughs> well, on that note, I reckon we'll call this one a day. Let's do Are it. Are you coming to Mantua? No, I am freaking not. I have got to go to... Uh, my wife's friend's 40th. I've tried absolutely everything to get out of it. And uh, I've lost that battle. Is she your friend or just your wife's friend? Um, I cannot answer that on air as I may upset <laughs> people. So... I <laughs> um, think you've just upset us, people right let's there. Let's just say I like living in my house. It's a nice house. 
and I like my children. So let's just say I am going to be there this weekend. You are confusing probably people. the world's greatest race is going on. Will you be able to watch on MXGP TV? Yes, I'm going to take my iPad. Are you, are you sure? Yes. Did you realize that the clocks had changed and therefore the racing was an hour earlier on Sunday? Yes, I did. Oh, well done. Yes, thank you. Uh, I just want to thank Apple for that. So, um, yeah. For you yeah, but not only thing. that, the schedule was an hour earlier. Like, we, didn't, we actually started at 8.15 instead of 9.15. No, I just turned it on. It was on, so it was all good. <laughs> Happy accident. <laughs> yeah, win-win. Yeah, the industry is confused by you because on the last podcast, you went on and on about how you had to go to Trentino Free. You had to. I have to go to Trentino Free. And then you didn't show up, and now you're not going to Manta either. So your, the industry is very confused by your statements on this podcast. <laughs> That's fine. The industry will just have to suck it. So, uh, and I'll be back when I'm back. So, 2022? Yeah, 2022. I'll be fresh as a daisy. I thought you said you might go to the final round. Yeah, well, again, it's not good to announce it on here, because then I get trash-talked if I don't turn up. So You didn't realise it was on a Wednesday until I told you? Uh, no. No, um, but yeah, I, I I will look at the uh, I will look at the options on flights, and who knows, who knows, you might be doing your post race podcast. You go to interview somebody else, and I'm stood there interviewing them. Who knows? What do you mean, somebody else? Uh, you might turn around, and Sean Simpson's there, uh, or or you know, Ferrato, uh, Adamo. And you just about to go over and say, ah, I've finally seen him. And the reason why you've finally seen him is because I've turned up, I've called them before, and I've said, how about an interview? And they're like, oh my God, it's amazing. It's so much easier when someone's got a number and calls us. The fact that you think the, the, the media game works like that shows how out of touch you are. And that concludes episode 87 of the MX5 Show podcast. Part three was presented by Prox Racing parts who supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything the Prox Racing parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Thank you, Fly Racing. You see Conrad Muse in the gear and Formula Helmet at Mantova. You might have to look through a lot of mud, but he'll be wearing it. Liat Mikko Harrop, the sole rider on FNH Racing now, seeing as Rowan van der Mostijk is out injured and Matisse Borromé is on a 450. But Mikko Harrop will continue to wear his Liat gear and his Liat boots. Planet Motor Holidays, December the 13th. Packages available. So go and head to Planet Motor Holidays on social media. Find out more about how you can slide into Spain in December. Prox Racing Parts. Head to their website. That's pro-x.com you will find an extensive product finder which helps you out tremendously, both with ease of life and finding out what your bike needs. Technical Touch and KYB. Get KYB factory kit suspension for your bike. Need I say more? There is an authorized dealer closer to you than you would think. Consider this a warning. Even Strokes. James Burfield is here today because of Even Strokes. Without that, he wouldn't be here. So I don't know whether that's a blessing or a curse. Decide yourself. So uh, on that note, uh, Black Friday's coming <laughs> up. Uh, everybody get on there. Have a look. we got Polysport on the site now. Scott, lots of different stuff. And it's called Even Strokes because if you don't start buying stuff, I will have a stroke. Okay. Thank you. <laughs>
<laughs> MXGP TV, you are going to want to use that this weekend and then Wednesday. I believe there is a special package on MXGP TV where you can get the last couple of rounds for 29 euros. Let me tell you, final two rounds for 29 euros, one lap of the action at the moment is worth that money. I was thinking about it this week. I would actually walk to Mantua if I needed to. It would take a while and I probably would have had to already have left, but I would. Backyard Design UK, Tommy Sell is using Backyard Design UK when he's having his activities across the world. Asterix knee braces, Tim Geiser may deliver a world championship to Asterix knee braces. Who knows? Who knows? Armour Nutrition, Comrade Muse uses armour. Thank you to all of those sponsors. Thank you to you people for listening. Any final thoughts, James? Uh, no, I've got none. Thank you for that, James. You've been a real help this podcast. Not sure you've said much, apart from what really sticks out in my mind is you just doing a massive rant about how luck isn't a thing. It's not a thing. <laughs> doesn't exist. You can buy it. It's if, not a shell. Okay, final note. Final note. If an asteroid lands on my house right now as I'm recording this, yeah. is that bad luck for me or is that my fault? No, it's actually your fault because uh, you had a choice to come down here. So. There we go. Your choice. It's not bad luck. And on that cheery note, thank you for listening to episode 87 of the MX Vice Show podcast. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to you people for listening. We will do some kind of podcast between Mantova 1 and 2. I have a feeling we're going to need to. Stay tuned to MX Vice for more. A lot coming this week. I need to work endlessly because, oh my God, is there a lot of content to create? Thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting MX Vice. Thank you for your support. I appreciate it. Anything you want to see on MX Vice in the final remaining rounds of this season, let me know. Adama interview. Okay, I'll get on that for you. Forato interview. And thank you once again. Ben we will see interview. you next week with episode 88. See ya. Bye. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better, and you can still experience that right now. Planet Moto still have packages available, plus customizable options with the Planet Moto Academy. If you want to hit the tracks like Red Sand as soon as possible, Visit planetmoto.co for more information. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, LIAC continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free LIAC bulletproof velocity goggles, LIAC has you covered. Shop LIAC's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Caster has been the secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won the 2020 two-stroke world championship using Blenzel, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original green label Racing Caster to the 455 Ultra or the versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop Blenzel's full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow them at Blenzel on Instagram. Instagram. You are listening to the MX Vice Show.